all talk, all the time. This is TalkZone.com, Internet Talk Radio. It's time for Healthy Talk Radio. By the powers vested in me, by the Federal Communications Commission. Coming to you live from the headquarters of the Global Health Network and across the world wide web. (gasps) Computers can do that? It's America's longest running radio program dedicated to your health and wellness. What's taking place here is an alternative approach. Now, the woman who's changing the face of health care each and every day. That's the fact, Jack! Here's Deborah Ray. Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, it's an amazing accomplishment. She stood at the coffin of one of her closest friends uh, who died from a blood clot uh, just a week away from undergoing gastric bypass surgery. She's now dropped 140 pounds, 10 dress sizes. Your lifestyle does make a difference. It's a regular weekly focus each and every week during this time, all about science-based nutrient supplementation. We have a very special guy who joins us today. He's Dr. Luke Bucci. You may have read his books. He's a well-known uh, expert in the field of nutrition. He does both nutritional research, clinical practice uh, in uh, clinical nutrition, a noted educator and author. He joins us today uh, with his hat on as the vice president of research for Shift Nutrition International. We're talking about digestion. Digestive Health, our ongoing series, inviting you to join us, your digestive health nutrition questions at 1-800-307-3002, right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Now, the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest. We spoke of it yesterday um, with, um, according to yesterday's Boston Globe, uh, the physician head of one of the larger HMOs, Commonwealth Health Alliance in the Boston area, um, concerned uh, about the, the the use of CT scans by doctors when, um, in many cases, there might be uh, much less uh, invasive in terms of radiation, like ultrasound, that could be used instead. This doctor is on a mission, in fact, bringing in an expert in the field of radiology to educate doctors that multiple CT scans or multiple um, X-rays or uh, any exam that that exposes the patient to any measure of radiation, um, those doses of damage from radiation to to our cellular um, uh, structures are cumulative. We accumulate that damage. In essence, we store the damage from radiation. So knowing the, the cumulative exposure, Say, for example, you've got a, a cancer patient who is having multiple CT scans, um, and you start to worry, wow, you know, what is the, the, the long-term prognosis? Uh, because, for example, we see secondary cancers in patients who have undergone radiation therapy uh, because of that cumulative damage from the medical use of radiation. So that translated to today's New England Journal of Medicine with a major article indicating that, now it was just a few short years ago, we were doing 20 million CT scans a year in this country, 1995. In the year 2005, it had ballooned to 62 million CT scans. 
And according to two researchers at Columbia University Medical School, their poll of physicians suggested uh, that perhaps as many as one in three CT scans, totally unnecessary, uh, could be uh, better served by, for example, using an ultrasound with that patient. And if we're taking a look at um, the use of CT scans in children, you know, all the more reason to, to take a look at you know, what, and, and this is always the quintessential question when it comes to any uh, medical diagnostic procedure. Doctor, what difference in either my diagnosis or my treatment will this test make? For example, if the CT scan is, is just to rule out something, but there's an ultrasound that will perhaps give you the same information with less uh, damage, less risk of, of radiation, perhaps it's the better part of valor. In fact, uh, what he is now indicating that in, in many cases, for example, of, of chronic uh, kidney stones, Patients are, are advised to have multiple CT scans, and, and nobody really stops to think, wow, well, well, how many CT scans has this patient had in the last six months, the last 12 months, the last five years? And there was an eye-opening statement by uh, the, the head of diagnostic physics at Dana-Farber Cancer Center in Boston, and yesterday's a Boston Globe, that um, you know, the cancer patient who is receiving multiple CT scans in terms of monitoring for the disease, we tend not to think about, well, gee, what's their cumulative dosage of radiation? We, we tend to think, oh, you know, they've survived long enough to get these CT scans. Just, just really doesn't wash. Really doesn't wash. So it's... Um, in today's New England Journal of Medicine, the typical CT scan can deliver up to a hundred times more radiation than a conventional X-ray. There are many cases where an ultrasound would suffice. Uh, they are now uh, estimating that a million children per year in the U.S. are irradiated unnecessarily. And just think about it, 1995, 20 million CT scans per year in this country, now 62 million CT scans each year in this country. Is it really necessary? Are we living longer and living better because of that? So with doctors admitting one in three may be unnecessary, after all, you and I are in charge of our health. Perhaps uh, after talking with our practitioner, one, the radiologist can use a lower dose of radiation uh, in a CT scan and still get the same image to reduce our exposure. Or two, you and the physician may say, you know, well, let's, let's, let's use ultrasound. Let's use an MRI. Um, so it's, it's worthy of a conversation. Dr. John Goffman um, has really pioneered this since 1962. He is the physician, research scientist, educator, a professor of medicine at the University of California, San Francisco. Now in his 90s, he holds the patent on uranium and plutonium. And at age 89, he published a 600-plus page book indicating doctors just were not cognizant of the fact that scans equals radiation and that damage uh, may be cumulative in terms of cellular damage from radiation. 
In fact, Dr. Goffman's book links medical radiation, dental x-rays, chest x-rays, CT scans, cardiac catheterizations, mammograms, with an increased risk of cancer and heart disease. In fact, he believes that many, if not most, cases of these diseases are the result of that cumulative damage from exposure to medical radiation. Eye-opening article, and you have to wonder, gee, if we're doing 62 million CT scans every year in this country, and we're talking about the number of people in the U.S. affected by this in the last 10 years, what it means in terms of uh, maybe the development of a cancer, uh, you know, maybe uh, scarring and, and problems with digestive system or, or respiratory dysfunction. The questions that you and I need to ask, Doctor, what difference will this CT scan make in either my diagnosis and my treatment? Can we use a lower dose of radiation? And is there an alternative diagnostic procedure, i.e. an ultrasound, that may give you the same information without exposing me to radiation? Interesting indeed. Today's New England Journal of Medicine. Having trouble with that weight, according to University of Missouri research scientists, we sit all too often. And if you are sitting for hours at a time, whether it's television or electronic games or computers, um, sitting attacks the body in ways that we are now just beginning to understand. Because just like Dr. Lauren Cordain, the author of The Paleo Diet from Colorado State University, has told us that when we moved away from that hunter-gatherer food plan, we developed more insulin resistance and more obesity and inflammation and diabetes and uh, male pattern baldness and adult acne and polycystic ovarianness syndrome and fatty liver. And, oh, by the way, when we moved away from that hunter-gatherer form of of lifestyle in terms of nutrition. Remember, exercise is as effective as antidepressants for depression. Exercise can affect your risk of cancer. So stand up as much as you possibly can. That may be the reason why several thousand people were willing to pay a lot of money for those desks at which you walk while you work. Stand up to shed pounds. At the bottom of the hour, Dr. Luke Bucci will be joining us today to talk about your liver as part of our Digestive Health Series 800-307-3002. Is the number to join us right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Check out Deborah Ray online now with live audio streaming and audio archives of past shows, plus news stories, guest information, and the fast way to find books you've heard mentioned on the show. Only at HealthyTalkRadio.com. Your liver will be the topic today with uh, Dr. Luke Bucci joining us today, our regular uh, series on science-based nutrient supplementation in the midst of a series uh, for this calendar month on digestive support. We'll talk about um, liver digestive facts, uh, the herbs to help protect your uh, liver, uh, even S-adenosylmethionine, SAMI, and your liver health. Uh, So if you have any questions about liver health, we invite you to join us at 1-800-307-3002. Before we get to that, we'd be remembering Miss not to mention um, what um, plays out today on the front page of today's New York Times major article 
um, talking about the fact that we have just uh, amazing statistics about lung disease, that the death rate uh, to, to, to women in terms of lung disorders has tripled in the last 20 years, that more women than men have died or been hospitalized every year uh, because of uh, lung disorders, the fourth leading cause of death, expected to be the third by the year 2020. Twelve million Americans have respiratory dysfunction, often known collectively as chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, which is not served well by medicine whose bailiwick is um, acute trauma and emergency. Here is a true chronic condition. We are now seeing uh, very experimental surgeries in terms of removing 30% of the lungs of people with uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. And as we have spoken on the air, um, you know, going back to some basics, uh, what today's New York Times is talking about, researchers focus on genes and inflammation in searches for, in search for clues to chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Um, you know, great books out there like the medical herbalist, Daniel Gagnon's book, Breathe Free. Um, other books that we've more recently, uh, discussed about chronic obstructive pulmonary disease indicate that you have inflammation. It affects your respiratory health. That can set the stage if you have affected your genes and have a genetic predisposition for respiratory dysfunction by maybe years of smoking or indoor air pollution um, or um, you know past smoking. So that if we eat in a in a fashion that more or less modulates inflammation, keep in mind the foods and the nutrients and the herbs that can better our respiratory health. Think about it. The cultures of, of systems of healthcare, those cultures that have stood the test of time, traditional Chinese medicine, thousands of years. Ayurveda from India, thousands of years. Conventional medicine, uh, allopathic medicine in this country, about 100 years old, maybe um, even a little, little less if you really talk about um, the explosion of, of pharmaceutical um, as well as um, um, uh, procedure, uh, technologically driven procedure since the Second World War, less than 100 years old. Those cultures have appreciated that breathing makes a difference. Today's New York Times talks about the fascinating story of a woman in her 50s uh, you know, struck down with type 2 diabetes, uh, then with uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Her husband was showing signs of Alzheimer's, and she said uh, she was motivated that she had to do something. That you know, all the doctors in the world couldn't uh, couldn't you know, offer her help in terms of she was carrying around too much weight, uh, much too sedentary, had type 2 diabetes. Um, you know, all of those factors equals inflammation, which equals respiratory problems. So she started from needing oxygen to sleep, that within a very short period of time, she was able to lower all the doses of her inhalers and diabetic medication. She lost 100 pounds. She now says she gets up 5 a.m. every morning to walk 45 minutes on the treadmill. And that exercise, why it doesn't heal or strengthen the lungs, improves the overall fitness, 
which is essential because breathing is about muscles. And shortness of breath then leads to inactivity, muscle wasting, and loss of stamina. That her exercise regime made a huge difference, as well as losing the weight. Obviously, she changed her diet, so she changed her her levels of inflammation. So a major killer of women, uh, liver, uh, uh, lung, excuse me, lung and respiratory challenges now responding to uh, more of a lifestyle-based approach. Speaking of lifestyle, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, more than a third of adults in this country found to be obese. But for the first time in 25 years, obesity rates in the U.S. are holding steady. Not good, <laughs> because we have much that we, we, we need and, and do uh, and should do. But when it comes to the fact that, you know, just imagine two in three Americans overweight and one in three Americans obese. Nobody in the world has, has those types of, of rates of overweight and obesity. So the good news is it's, it's leveling off. Some viewing that as positive, others aren't convinced. I think after all, uh, I see it every day. Consumers in this country are are exceptionally intelligent and exceptionally resourceful. And in the end, we come to recognize that medicine has its place, but has never cured a chronic disease. That might sound like a bold statement, but I can definitely back that up. Definitely back that up. So when it comes to obesity... Yeah, you know, gastric bypass surgery, banding, all those procedures might have their place, but basically it comes back to you and me recognizing our lifestyle makes a difference. Well, it's in the current issue of the Canadian Journal of Gastroenterology, a study indicating that a daily intake of a probiotic was a safe and effective means of preventing antibiotic-associated diarrhea in hospitalized patients. Canada, like Great Britain, um, has to uh, limited resources believe in a cost-effective approach to healthcare. They are much more open to taking a look at what. Show me the science, and of course, the science indicates that there is a wealth of studies that we are microbial beings. That unless we uh, maintain that 85% good bacteria, those are known as probiotics, to 15% bad bacteria. It affects our immune system health. It certainly affects our digestive health. The Canadian Journal of Gastroenterology finding uh, that a daily probiotic, a safe and effective means of preventing antibiotic-associated diarrhea in hospitalized patients. Well, this comes from the Archives of Pediatrics and Adolescent Medicine, Glutamine. It is our body's most abundant amino acid. It is used to heal ulcers. It certainly is of great benefit to support immune function and digestive function, actually part of an overall lifestyle program to reduce uh, reverse leaky gut syndrome. Now they find that very low birth weight babies given supplements of glutamine in the first year dramatically reduce their likelihood of developing eczema in the first year of their life, according to published Dutch research in the Archives of Pediatrics and Adolescent Medicine. Glutamine is essential. 
to keep that lining of the gut. Of course, babies born prematurely have so many challenges, including digestive maturity. So glutamine makes a difference. Infants in the glutamine supplemented group were 87% less likely to have eczema than those babies who did not receive the glutamine supplementation. Who among us would not make sure that a very low birth weight baby gets every advantage, something as simple, uh, safe, and science-based as glutamine supplements helping the tiniest babies. We're going to come back. You can go to the phones, 800-307-3002. Dr. Luke Bucci joining us today. Questions about your liver. It's a digestive organ right here on Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. The information presented on Healthy Talk Radio is all well-documented and presented by credentialed guests. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors. But hey, how much do they know about medicine anyway? This segment with Dr. Luke Bucci is being sponsored by Shift, the brand consumers have trusted for 70 years and the maker of Shift Super Enzymol. It's a regular weekly focus on science-based nutrient supplementation. We invite you to join the Vice President of Research for Shift Nutrition, Dr. Luke Bucci, uh, 800-307-3002. That's 1-800-307-3002. Uh, the calendar month devoted to digestive support today your liver. It's a digestive organ, too. And with disturbing statistics around about um, uh, inflammation, uh, viral uh, challenges for our liver, fatty liver uh, being identified in the very young, what do you know about liver digestive facts? Dr. Luke Fucci is our guy today. Luke, hello and welcome. Good morning, Deborah. This is one of these areas, and I think we, we alluded to it, Luke, um, uh, when it comes to detoxification. Other cultures, uh, particularly in Europe, I find people a lot more savvy about the liver and detoxification. Um, I guess, I guess <laughs> we're, we're only beginning to catch up in that respect in terms of knowledge and appreciation. Your insight, Luke. Oh, I, I have to agree, and I'm also puzzled because anybody that has any uh, medical or scientific training realizes just how important the liver is. Uh, you really can't live without it. That's why if it fails, you die, or you need a transplant, which is an amazing technical revolution to actually replace an entire liver. Uh, and here's why, because your liver is not just this little chemical factory. Yes, that it is, but uh, I think we, if we knew what our liver was like, we'd take better care of it. And un- unknown to, I think, everyone out there except somebody that looks at the liver is that your liver actually has not one but two circulatory systems, two bloodstream systems. And that makes it much different from any other tissue in the body. And that also makes it a digestive organ because think about it. Uh, your, your body doesn't know what you're going to eat, and the possibilities are widespread. You could eat anything from dirt to live bacteria to leaves or sticks or meat or dead decaying stuff. In other words, there is a huge amount of compounds that you're being exposed to just by eating something. And this doesn't matter if the food's healthy or not. So all that 
gets into the gut and your body tries to sort out the good from the bad, but sometimes it can't. So the liver ends up with that. And the reason the liver is so weird, I think, is because all the bloodstream from all your gut goes through the liver in a completely separate circulatory system. It fans out into what are called sinusoids, which surface area must be as big as a very large parking lot. So in other words, all the blood from all of your gut has to go through the liver first before it gets into your, the rest of your body, in other words. So the liver really is filtering and screening and has a gigantic surface area to look at what you're absorbing and to further process it, both uh, the caloric things like fats and sugars and amino acids, as well as the other things you may not want or that also could be helpful which is what we find from a lot of different foods. So in addition, your liver, like every other tissue, has the usual arteries and veins that feed its cells. But on the other side of those cells, the blood from your gut is going right through the liver. It's like a gigantic sponge. Isn't that interesting? Because if you take a look at those systems of health care, traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda from, from India, um, you, you know, run across on a regular basis, they have an appreciation of liver as part of total body health. And conventional medicine, <laughs> that, that, that's just not their look. No, they, they figure it's okay until you turn yellow from <laughs> the bilirubin leaking out of your gallbladder, which is fed by, guess what, the liver. So the liver does uh, so many things for digestion. I, I think the, the thing that Western medicine focuses on is production of bile salts, which is made from cholesterol, and that actually is a detergent that gets stored in your gallbladder and is squeezed out whenever you have a meal, especially a fatty meal. And if that's not being made fast enough or if it's not used enough or if it's something going on with the gallbladder in terms of inflammation, uh, it can dry up and turn into gallstones and that hurts. But And that's, that's liver-mediated. Uh, you can, if you patch up the liver, you don't have gallstones in the first place. So that's, that's kind of what we want to get into now is, all right, now that we know yeah. a little bit more yeah. about the liver, yeah. what can we do to help what, it? What keeps it, what keeps it healthy? Because I, I don't think I would have ever connected the dots at Luke and, and, until listening from you. I mean, a couple, I guess it's in September, we were talking about an interesting article in New Scientist uh, uh, Journal talking about that the average person, these are government funded studies, is exposed to some 75,000 different chemicals every day and even you know, two phthalates that by themselves would have been harmless when they're at the synergy of two low doses. Wow, things like testosterone are turned off. You know, what that means in terms of liver health, Luke. Oh, boy. Well, the poor liver has to process these things chemically. And the only way to do this uh, in, in a body is to have these very... Uh, specialized enzymes that are so specialized they can take entire classes of compounds. In other words, they're not specific for one single compound. They're, they're good for a whole class. It'll take, it takes all comers, in other words. So you can pretty much blow up or get rid of just about anything. But the capacity is, is what, what's key here. You only have a certain amount of these enzymes. Uh, the sure your body, your liver can make them go up or down depending upon how much it sees, but there's a lag time. So sometimes your, the liver is caught with its pants down and these compounds do get out to the rest of the body and that's where they can wreak havoc and accumulate, mess up steroid hormone receptors, cause cancer, et cetera, et cetera. So 
really the, the liver liver health is critical for the entire body to protect it as well as to digest foods. So that's where I think nutrition comes in sure, in terms sure. of herbs because our, think about it, our, our bodies are designed to live off the land and eat a lot of plant foods. And plant foods are full of these compounds that make them icky for, for bugs. They don't get eaten up, like bioflavonoids, for example. A lot of bioflavonoids are there to uh, prevent bugs from chewing on them or to repair the damage from bugs chewing on them. Mm-hmm. And uh, these are potent antioxidants. And uh, the body likes some of them and it doesn't like some of them. So it lets some in and it doesn't let some in. But it turns out that the ones it lets in really help the liver a lot. And, you know, we, we, we certainly see other cultures with an appreciation, appreciation of that. You know, what, what herbs in particular should we think of in terms of, of liver health, Luke? Well, the way I look at it is there, the, uh, bioflavonoids and those kind of compounds are present in every plant. So okay. to some degree, just about any whole food plant or herb in particular will have some liver-healthy properties. But there are a few that stand out that have been singled out with human clinical studies showing that specifically they help liver problems. And the, the top of the list, I think, is milk thistle sure. seed, uh, mm-hmm. bioflavonoids, actually, or actually it's the plant. So this, this horses eat this stuff. I don't know how they can do it because these things are very prickly, but uh, <laughs> they, they obviously love this stuff. So uh, they, there has a certain kind of bioflavonoid that seems to help repair liver cells or the liver uses it as an additional antioxidant to protect itself and run all these enzymes and protect these enzymes that are like like dynamiting other nasty molecules, I mean, chemically dynamiting these things. So that's why you're exposed to something that hurts your liver because it's like dynamiting your house to get rid of the cockroaches. There's some collateral damage there. So the less you have to dynamite, the, the better off your house is. Interesting, because um, uh, you know we've had the opportunity to visit with 